The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy, nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt, and Jeannie is actually out of town this week. She's traveling with her husband, David, for another one of his ballroom dance competitions. And we are so glad to be on the show, and we welcome you, all of our listeners. Our topic today is food cravings, and we'll be discussing three causes of cravings and tools you can use to decrease or even eliminate them. But before we begin, we'll answer a question from one of our listeners. It's an email question, and it is now the end of April, and summer will be here soon, and that means a lot of you will be out camping and hiking and doing outdoor activities. So the question is, what foods can we eat while camping? Well, there's actually quite a variety of foods that you can eat for camping. And typical ones that we always think of that we're not necessarily going to recommend would be hamburgers and hot dogs and trail mix. Or hamburgers would be fine, but those hot dogs, lots of the trail mix and the popcorn. Chips and chips, All of those snacking foods. We can actually eat quite normally when we're camping. So a really easy one to make over a fire is actually grilled vegetables. Or if you have a grill at your campsite, grilled vegetables such as onions and peppers and asparagus, any type of vegetables that you like, you wrap them up in tin foil, or you can make shish kebabs over the grill. And that would be like on a skewer, right? Yup, a skewer. And you would probably want to bring those with. So some easy things to pack with you to make all of this cooking easily is a frying pan, the tin foil, skewers. Uh, usually the metal ones are going to be better over the fire. Coconut oil to have a little bit of oil on your vegetables. And a knife so that you can chop your vegetables or to make it even easier for yourself, chop up and wash all your vegetables before you leave on your camping trip. Put them in a bag and then you just bring them with and they're ready to go. And also you would want to bring your Himalayan salt. Yes, and really when you're camping, you could make it as elaborate as you want. So you could bring all of these other seasonings or just stick with the salt and some of the oil and you'll really enjoy your food, especially when it's cooked over the fire. It'll have a different flavor than it normally does, just cooked on your stove. Yeah, and then as for meat, you can definitely bring meat in um, packed in ice, and this could be actually meat that you've already cooked, or it could be raw. So, for example, if you wanted to make hamburgers while you're camping, you could either 
make your hamburgers at home and they're all cooked and ready to go either on the grill or if you make them on the stove and then pack them all up, cool them down and pack them up in a container and just heat them up either on the grill at the campsite or over the fire. Either of those would work. And that would really go for any type of meat. So you might bring pork chops or steak or salmon, um, anything like that, that that you would heat up over the fire. And even um, chicken breasts, that could be another good one. Yeah, that is. And when you're cooking over the fire, it's probably better to have a more solid piece of meat. Salmon works pretty well, but the flakier meats might not work so well if you're putting it right on the grill. If you have your frying pan, then it's easier to cook more of those flaky meats. Mm -hmm. And even bringing pre-made hard-boiled eggs, where at home you made all of your hard-boiled eggs and then you pack them up right in the carton and then put the carton into your cooler. Yes. Now, there was one year when I went camping and some friends and I made bacon. And of course, we had really good quality bacon. And we made that in a cast iron skillet over the fire. And there was all this bacon grease left over. And we actually cooked a whole bunch of eggs in the bacon grease afterwards. So we didn't have to bring any extra oil. Luckily, we were only there for one day. So that was our our breakfast that day. We didn't have to put any extra oil in the pan, and you pretty much don't need any seasonings if you're using that baking grease because it is so rich and it's so flavorful. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, that was one of the best breakfasts I've ever had in my life, and that was just while we were out camping. There was not a whole lot to it. Yeah, that's and it's all in one pan. Mm-hmm. And you could even eat it out of the pan when it's done, couldn't you? We did. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Then you yeah. don't even need plates. <laughs> yeah, and you could yeah. also throw in a whole bunch of vegetables. Like what you said about the shish kebabs, you could use those same types of vegetables in your eggs with, with whatever oil that you choose, whether it's bacon, grease, or coconut oil. So just throw in peppers or broccoli or uh, asparagus, onions, spinach. spinach. Anything, anything that you might throw in with a a big scramble and that would be, you know, a great breakfast and really that could be for any meal while you're camping. And, you know, a salad could work as well, either if you want to bring all the separate ingredients to make the salad at your campsite, or even easier would be preparing a salad ahead of time. And we've talked before about the travel salad, and that's what this would be, where you have your lettuce or you have your spinach and you cut up a bunch of other vegetables and you add some chicken to it, and then you leave off the dressing for now. Or um, if you're using a dressing, um, just put it in a little container to bring with you and then you add it once you are ready to actually eat the salad and that's all one package there and that's easy to whip out and eat yeah so so you mean you would pre-make your salad with no dressing on it and pack that in your cooler and then when you're ready to eat all you have to do is open up the container like the tupperware or whatever your salad is in and pour the dressing on and then you're ready to eat right exactly yep yeah that sounds really really great Mm-hmm. So it's, it, there are really quite a few options, it sounds like, for camping. More than food that's just in a package already or that's just, you know, um, anything like chips or, or M&Ms. It's, it seems to me like people eat a lot of those types of foods because they're so convenient. But yep. really, this is not a whole lot of extra effort. Right. Yep. And if you're not wanting to turn up the fire, or I should say light the fire, <laughs> three times a day while you're camping, camping, make a few of your meals at one time. Like maybe for breakfast, you make your lunch at that time, and then it's ready to go. And then dinner, you start the fire to make dinner. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard that you're supposed to be snacking throughout the day to keep your blood sugar up. And we all hear that, oh, when you're camping and when you're active and you're biking and you're swimming, you definitely need to be having snacks so that you can keep your energy going. Now, this isn't the entire story here. Now, one answer to that is that most of us are in that place where we do need to be snacking throughout the day to prevent our blood sugar dipping way too low. But ideally, we should actually be able to go many hours between eating and just eat for eat about three times a day. So let me explain this further. So let's look at this from a physiological standpoint. The body has an amazing way to regulate blood sugar on its own, and it prevents blood sugar from ever getting too low. And our bodies should actually be able to go five or six or more hours without eating, and we should be able to experience hunger, just plain hunger, and still be able to fully function. And that hunger would feel like an empty stomach, stomach growling, maybe we feel like we're ready to eat, we're starting to salivate a little bit, but we can definitely keep doing our work, we can keep doing our activities, and we can function well. And you all out there might be saying, now if I went that long without eating, I would not be able to function well at all. Is that anybody out there, Madeline? That's where you've been before. Yeah, I've been like that before. And you're talking about, what, what, like five or six hours without eating? Yes, or you have that experience where you went too long without eating. And then what happens? You start to get a headache or you experience shakiness or brain fog or irritability. Yeah, well, what I've had in the past uh, is that I get so hungry. Yeah, I'm irritable. I'm anxious. I have a headache and I just feel so terrible. I can't do anything except for like get to the food. And then as soon as I get into my kitchen or into the grocery store, it's almost like I have to like shovel food in and there's, you know, I'll just go for anything, whether it's crackers or whatever is there, I just will start eating. And even before I sit down, it's like I'm just eating whatever is sitting out. Um, and that's really, really not a good place to be, you know, in your life. It really doesn't feel good to experience that. And after you've eaten that way, it feels, it almost feels worse. Mm-hmm. It does. And you usually end up eating things you don't want to be eating. So that's mm-hmm. why you feel worse or you feel excessively full. Yes. And those symptoms of just that extreme hunger and the cravings and the irritability, those are symptoms of low blood sugar or your your blood sugar has dripped, dipped down too low and now your body is just dying for food. And that's where many people are, actually. Many people are at that point where they need to eat throughout the day. Maybe you're someone who could eat four times a day, or maybe you're someone who really needs to eat five times a day, where you have breakfast and a snack, and then lunch and a snack, and then you have dinner. And that's that's what we should aim for, though, is to go longer between meals. We should aim to be able to not eat until our food is ready. So, for example, have there ever been those situations where you get stuck in a meeting and you ate four hours ago and you're stuck in the meeting and you need to eat now? Ideally, we should be able to finish that meeting just fine. 
And then once we're out of the meeting, we're ready to eat. So let's back up a little bit and really look at how the body is supposed to do this, how the body regulates our blood sugar so that ideally the blood sugar does not drop too low. Now, the pancreas secretes two hormones that regulate blood sugar, insulin and glucagon. So let's talk about insulin first. Insulin is secreted when blood sugar rises, which happens after a meal. So you eat a meal, you digest that food, you chew it up, it goes into your stomach, you digest the food, and your blood sugar goes up. And when your blood sugar rises, insulin is released from the pancreas, and that signals the cells that it's time to refuel. So the message of insulin is to refuel. And ideally, about 40% of the sugar from that meal goes to your muscles and your other body tissue cells for fuel to create energy for the rest of your body. The other 60% of the blood sugar gets stored as glycogen, which is fuel for the body to use later. And glycogen gets stored in the liver. So we can think glycogen is, is kind of like a snack for later. <laughs> Your body is holding it on, holding on to it. So when there are long times between meals, it can use it later. Now, I'll just add this in. If there is excess fuel from an oversized meal, this gets stored as fat. But let's think right now in terms of we didn't eat, overeat, we just ate a good amount of food. Now, the point we want to remember, and that's relevant to our topic, is that some of the food we eat gets stored as fuel for the body to use later. So we actually see that our body has that built-in little snack. And now I mentioned there's two hormones. So the first was insulin, and the second is glucagon. And glucagon, so everybody knows, it's spelled G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N, glucagon, kind of a fun word to say. And glucagon is the main hormone that helps a person go five or six hours or even longer without needing to eat. And here's how it works. Now remember that blood sugar rises when we eat. We eat the food, it gets digested, and our blood sugar goes up blood sugar goes up and the result is that insulin is secreted and insulin returns the blood sugar back to normal levels. Then about three hours after a meal, blood sugar levels start to drop again. And this is where if everything isn't functioning how it should be, you would start to get that low blood sugar feeling, that crabbiness or the hunger or the brain fog and you'd grab something to eat. But here's where the magic of the human body occurs. This drop in blood sugar should signal the pancreas to secrete the glucagon. And glucagon signals the release of that stored fuel, remember that glycogen that was stored in the liver for later. And glycogen is like sugar that raises your blood sugar. So it gets released from the liver, it goes into your bloodstream, and it brings the blood sugar back to a relatively normal level and allows you to go even longer before you need to eat again. So this is what everyone's been waiting for. Once glycogen becomes depleted, fat burning can begin. So we see that not only does going longer stretches between the meals help clear the liver of that glycogen. It helps to clear out that excess sugar and it allows us to, and also it allows us to start to burn fat. 
So, Madeline, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. So there is the body's built-in snack, the stored fuel from the previous meal in terms of sugar or glycogen, and then the stored fat on the body. So now we can see that if we eat every three or four hours, we prevent the secretion of glucagon and we prevent the fat burning from occurring. Now, here's one more aspect to the story. When we eat too frequently, that secretion of glucagon from the liver is prevented. So, let me make it more clear. When we eat too frequently, that glycogen, that stored sugar, builds up in the liver and it starts to clog the liver's fuel system. And when the liver's fuel system is clogged, it's actually more difficult for the liver to take in more glycogen And it's also difficult for the body to now put that stored fuel into the the bloodstream for use between meals. So when we eat too often, our liver starts to become less able to go back to that little snack, to that stored fuel for later, and use that for energy. And then the result is that our blood sugar goes down a little too far that's comfortable, and we need to get sugar from food, from an outside source. And it prevents fat burning. So remember the final step of that, not only does that stored sugar help us go longer between meals, but it also allows our body to now access that stored fat as fuel. And when we eat too frequently, we aren't going to be burning as much fat. And then the result there is the blood sugar goes up and down, up and down, and that's where most of us are right now. Now, we aren't all in this stage where we can just jump into eating five or six hours apart or jump into eating three times a day. Now, if you are already eating three times a day, great. But if not, then you're going to work on reversing this. And how do you do that? Well, one thing to do to start is start by leaving 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. So 12 hours while you're sleeping to allow that liver to, to empty out the stored glycogen and really start to tap into those fat stores. So remember from earlier, I said that about three hours after you eat a meal, that's when the stored sugar gets released into the bloodstream to balance out your blood sugar levels. And then the fat burning starts. And it looks like it's actually time for a break here. So we'll get back into this topic of leaving 12 hours in between. And remember, everybody, we do take callers. The number is 1-866-472-5792. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the Cancer Coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy along with Madeline today. Now let's continue our brief discussion on eating just three times a day versus snacking throughout the day. Now ideally we should be able to eat three times a day and the biggest reason for that is to allow time between the meals for the liver to clear out its stores of sugar and then start to access the fat burning phases. So the best way to start to be able to do that, because we're not all there right now, is to start by leaving 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. So that would be eating, for example, at 6 p.m. dinner, and then you wait all the way until 6 a.m. to eat your breakfast. Another tool to use to help you transition to eating less often is to make sure you get good protein for breakfast as well as lunch and dinner. So that would be maybe 20 to 30 grams in the form of a protein shake or two or three eggs or about three ounces of meat. Now let's move into our main topic for the day, and that's cravings. And cravings is the number one challenge that I see people have with staying consistent with their eating. Many people find that even though they really know that these foods they crave aren't good for them, they just keep eating them anyway. And today we'll discuss three reasons why cravings occur. We actually discussed already the first reason, and that's the blood sugar imbalance. So when we eat... Too often, um, or if our blood sugar just isn't balanced very well, we start to get that low blood sugar. And when we have too low of blood sugar, cravings can occur. Now, the second factor in cravings is brain chemistry. Now, instead of looking at cravings as a moral issue, everyone needs to understand that we all just want to feel good. We're all wanting to feel good, and if we're not feeling good, then we, so we look for other things that are going to help us feel better. So we go for the chips or the breads or the candy or cigarettes. Cravings doesn't only have to do with food or the alcohol because those f- things make us feel better, at least for a short period of time. And then once we eat them, we feel better for a moment, and then we crave more and more and more. But why don't we feel good in the first place? 
When we are depleted in brain chemicals or neurotransmitters, we feel depressed or lethargic or we feel anxious instead of happy, energetic, relaxed, and self-confident. And this doesn't mean that just because you have cravings that you have lots of these brain chemical issues, meaning you have deep depression or you're super, super anxious and having panic attacks, that might be happening to you, but it also could be happening on a mild level. Now think about it. So right here, think about it when people say that they're emotional eaters. So this is an example of trying to feel better emotionally emotionally by eating food. And there are all kinds of these emotional eaters. There are, these are people who just want to feel happier or less depressed. They want to feel more relaxed and less anxious and more energetic, less lethargic. And these are examples of out-of-balance brain chemicals. So there's three main brain chemicals we'll talk about today. Serotonin, and we've talked about that before. Serotonin is a happy neurotransmitter, and that makes us feel happy, less depressed, kind of even keel, and gives us a self-confidence. Now, serotonin, if we look at where it comes from in the body, it's made by an amino acid called L-tryptophan. And many people have probably heard of L-tryptophan when we talk about turkey at Thanksgiving time. That seems to be the common one that people remember. So when we get L-tryptophan from our food, that gets converted into another amino acid called 5-HTP or 5-hydroxytryptophan. And then from that it's converted into serotonin. And then once serotonin is made, that goes into our brain and goes into the receptors in our brain to create that feel-good feeling. That makes us happy. And when we're depleted of serotonin, we feel less happy, a little more depressed, or lower lower moods and energy. We don't have as much self-confidence as we might want to have. Now, one more thing about serotonin. Serotonin, once it's in your body, is then converted into melatonin. And melatonin is responsible for good sleep. So when we also have good serotonin, then we can have good melatonin and we have good sleep. Now, let's move to the second neurotransmitter, GABA. GABA makes us relaxed and it reduces pain it puts us at ease and it makes us feel like everything's just okay and everything can be handled just fine and GABA is a little different than serotonin Um, they both make us feel more happy but GABA is going to feel more of the relaxed feeling and even if all these troublesome things are happening around us like maybe you just got into a car accident or something bad happened at work. When you have enough GABA, you can handle all of that just fine without feeling overly anxious and overly stressed out. 
Now, a lot of people have cravings for wine, especially here at the studio. We hear that often at the studio that people say, well, what about my wine? Can I still have my wine at night? And there's a few things about wine. Now, if you're somebody who has cravings for that wine, you could be having low GABA. That wine is a facilitator or it helps to increase the GABA in your body. And now just because you drink wine doesn't necessarily mean that you have these big cravings for it. There's some people who drink wine just because they enjoy the taste or they enjoy the experience of it. Um, And they don't need the wine just to feel satisfied. But if you seem to be someone who needs the wine in order to feel satisfied, and if you skip the wine and you still feel like something's missing then that could be a sign that you have some low GABA. Now, why would a person have low GABA? I want to explain a connection between GABA and glutamate. GABA is that calming neurotransmitter in our brain. Glutamate is another neurotransmitter, and that's more of an excitatory neurotransmitter. And that's one that's going to lead towards that anxious feeling, whether it's very low-key and mild, and it's very hard to even notice, but it still might be there slightly. Glutamate also, if you take it further, starts to create panic attacks and more of that bigger intensity type of anxiety. So glutamate is something that makes us feel revved up and more anxious, where GABA is more of a calming neurotransmitter. Now, many of us tend towards glutamate. In our body, when we eat other types of neurotransmitters, or excuse me, when we eat other types of amino acids like L-glutamine, those can turn into either GABA or glutamate. So let me say that again. When we get our amino acids from protein, when we eat some protein, those break down into these amino acids. Some of those then go into your body and they create these neurotransmitters. In the body, there's those two pathways. And the pathway could either go towards GABA to make us calm or it could go towards glutamate to make us more anxious. Many, many of us go more towards glutamate. And some of the things that cause us to go more towards glutamate is stress. That's a big one. And a lack of some of these these nutrients. You know, let's actually pause for a moment and get back onto this topic. It looks like we have Susan from Tennessee on the phone. Susan, what can we do for you today? Hi, I'm just calling because I'm always having these cravings for bad food, and it tends to be like one thing. I'm always wanting potato chips, and I always want to eat them, and they're my favorite food ever, and when I eat them, it makes me feel good, but I know it's not good for my body, and I'm just wondering what is the best thing I can do to keep that craving from coming back, and all again, whenever I get stressed, I just want to eat potato chips, so what do I do? Sure, and that's the main thing you want, right, is potato chips, not other things. Pardon? Not other things. You don't go for sugar or other types of things. No, I just like, I want my potato chips. They're my comfort food, I guess. 
Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. And one big thing with um, processed foods like potato chips is that these food chemists, the people who've made these processed foods, have actually made them so that we want to eat them again and again and again. And oh. there's certain foods that, we, that are out there that we just want. Like another person might want this other specific thing. And, you know, there's actually another example of someone at the studio. She just wants the Lay's potato chips, just those. <laughs> so I'm not uh-huh. sure if you're like that. Do you have just a favorite brand or maybe you just yeah. like any potato chips? Mm-hmm. No, the kettle, the kettle chips brand. Ah, the kettle chips brand. Okay. So that could be because there's those chemicals on them. And when we eat those chemicals, those create this dopamine response in our brain. So dopamine is another neurotransmitter there. And that creates mm-hmm. this pleasure. And It creates a lot of pleasure. So when we're not feeling so pleasurable, like you're not feeling very good or you're in a bad mood, then you want to get pleasure from the potato chips. So Uh a few things, and we'll be getting into more and more and more strategies down the line. But one thing to do while you're having that craving is to drink some of the dynamic greens. Do you use dynamic greens? Uh, Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I haven't used them yet. Yep, that can be one way to give your body some nutrients that it needs and to stave off that craving for the time being. But do those dynamic greens, do they taste like um, health food or are they nice to drink? They're really nice to drink and there's four different flavors of them. Yeah, yeah one, one of them tastes like Kool-Aid. Oh, I like Kool-Aid. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so instead of the <laughs> chips, you can have your dynamic greens, Kool-Aid. <laughs> and oh, then another like thing that, that you can do while you're having those cravings is to take a supplement called Crave Curb. So really, okay. if anybody is experiencing cravings, Crave Curb is something to take on a regular basis. But if you're having a craving at that moment, pull out your bottle of supplements and it's capsules and you take a few of those capsules right then oh okay and crave curb does that sound like a good idea yeah definitely and then one other thing do you want to hear one more thing yes okay one more thing you can do is find some of your thin mints that you have in the fridge or the freezer yes do you make those? Not the I Girl did, Scout actually. Thin Mints. Not those no, I, ones. I made those. Those are real good. Yeah, those are the Thin Mints that we ha- have talked about many times, and they're on our blog. And they have mm-hmm. lots of good fats in them, and they're sweet. But even if you don't want sweet, if you're going for the saltiness, those are going to satisfy you for a time being. Okay. Okay. Well, thank uh-huh. you. That's really good advice. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Susan. Hmm. So for anybody who hasn't been to our blog, it's mybodybalancenutrition.com and click on the the blog tab and that's going to be where we have the Thin Mints recipe and we have actually a lot of other recipes on there as well that are great for your cravings, especially if you crave a lot of sugar. These recipes can definitely help you out. And I would look out for the macaroons and the mango chocolates and the slender lemons as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now let's return back to talking about GABA. So we want to find ways to help to increase that GABA. And these are the different things we might go toward 
go towards to help to increase that GABA. And remember, GABA is that neurotransmitter that makes us feel at ease and less anxious. So magnesium. Lacking magnesium is a big reason why we don't have enough GABA. B6 as well, one of the B vitamins, B6, lacking B6 also decreases our ability to make GABA. And taurine, so those three are three big ones that we want to be getting. And we can get those in a supplement called Trancor. And I mentioned that other supplement, Crave Curb, we'll come back to that with more details. But Trancor is another supplement that includes the magnesium, B6, and taurine. And it also has some green tea extract in it. And that helps put you at ease. Madeline, you've taken that before. The Trancor? Yeah. Is yes. that right? Yeah, I take Trancor if I'm feeling anxious or highly irritable. Um, I'll definitely take that and it helps right away. Mm-hmm. So some other things that help to facilitate GABA. Now, these aren't necessarily things that we want to go out and start taking, but just so that we're aware, alcohol, and we already talked about that, alcohol creates that GABA. Seizure medications as well. So that's the point of using those seizure medications. It starts to suppress the seizure. And benzodiazepines such as Valium, Valium or Lorazepam, barbiturates, some of the inhaled anesthetics, and you're probably not going to go without those unless um, it's a surgery that you can go without those. But the anesthetics are going to relax your muscles and prevent you from jumping up while you're in surgery. And then valerian is an herb for sleeping. That helps because it facilitates the GABA and you feel relaxed. And then there's another amino acid, theanine, and that creates that relaxed feeling. So for us, if we're wanting to increase our GABA, we can try taking the train core and definitely increasing the magnesium. And we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about increasing magnesium. Now, what are some things that facilitate the glutamate, that excitatory neurotransmitter? The lack of magnesium, lack of B6, and lack of taurine, and also MSG, or you might have heard it as monosodium glutamate. And that's that flavoring that's usually added in Chinese food, but it's actually added to many, many things throughout our food. So before we go to our break, I'll list off a few of the other names for MSG. So when you're looking at packages, look for words like glutamic acid, hydrolyzed, for example, hydrolyzed protein, yeast extract, carrageenan, bouillon, anything that just says flavors or flavorings without specifying what that is. Natural flavors, same thing there. Anything that's ultra-pasteurized, malt, brewer's yeast, and seasonings, another just generic seasonings without listing off all of the individual ones. So let's move to our break. When we come back, We'll continue to talk about dopamine. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? 
Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy along with Madeline. And let's move into talking about dopamine. Dopamine is the third neurotransmitter that we're talking about today. And it creates that feeling of pleasure or it's that reward response that we receive. We just feel good when we have enough dopamine. And when we were talking about Su- or when we were talking to Susan, our caller from earlier, we talked about how food chemists have altered foods to make us want to eat them again and again. Those flavorings that are within those foods actually create a dopamine response, that reward response. So there's a reward center in our brain where dopamine works. And this area is called the nucleus accumbens. It's in that brain. And when this center is stimulated, Dopamine produces the sensation of pleasure and reward. So, for example, when Susan was eating those potato chips, that goes into the nucleus accumbens and produces dopamine, and then dopamine produces that sensation of pleasure and reward. So a low to moderate amount of pleasure is good. We want to have pleasure. So this would be like when you take a bite of apple or you just experience pleasure, maybe playing with kittens in the yard, something moderate. But too much pleasure isn't so good. 
So in the process of going from more pressure, we pleasure, we actually change that dopamine system. So what I mean by that is when we eat those foods that create the dopamine response, we have a little bit of pleasure, but then it's quickly taken away again, and we're left with less of that pleasure feeling than we did before. So then we want to go back to those foods, and we want to eat more and more to receive that same amount of pleasure again. And this disrupts that whole whole cycle that's supposed to be going on. There is a huge dopamine effect when we eat sugar or the processed foods. And after stimulating the system chronically, so we keep eating this sugar or these potato chips or we keep smoking again and again and again, the receptors for the dopamine signal start to downregulate and there are actually fewer of them. So that's why we get less of that pleasure response. And the result there is that the dopamine response is blunted. We get less of the pleasure response. Now, this also occurs with nicotine, alcohol, morphine, and with sugar. And a study in 2007 actually showed that sugar could be 20 times more addictive than cocaine. That's a huge amount. And that's a big reason probably why we're all wanting to go towards that sugar so much and not give it up. Now, there's a wonderful book that we would recommend to anybody who wants to learn more about the brain chemistry, and it's called The Mood Cure, written by Julia Ross. And she also wrote another book called The Diet Cure, and both are great, and both go into detail about how to improve your own brain chemistry. And Julia Ross said something that I think is important for all of us to hear and understand. She said that food addiction is not a cause for shame. It is not a failure of willpower or a defect of character. People who are addicted to food, sugar, and carbs cannot say no, even if their lives depend upon it. And that's because of that dopamine effect, as well as these other reasons that we've talked about. So when you catch yourself craving something, think to yourself... I'm trying to alter my brain chemistry. That's why I want this food. And there's no judgments about it. There's just that recognition that the craving is exists and it's there because you're not necessarily feeling as good as you want to feel. And by giving into the craving, you know that you're self-medicating for a lack of those feel-good neurotransmitters. And then you decide at that point, are you going to do that? And you, you're knowledgeable that that's the reason why you're giving into the craving? Or do you decide, I'm actually going to go and find something else that's going to make me feel better and improve my neurotransmitter status? And Either way it goes, that's fine, that's your choice, and then you learn from that experience as well. Now, in the end here, we're going to go through one more reason why cravings can occur, and then we'll go through many other ways to help decrease your cravings. The last reason that cravings occur is an imbalanced gut flora. And actually, serotonin is made in the gut by good bacteria, as is melatonin. So when we don't have enough of the good bacteria in our large intestine, we don't make as much of serotonin or melatonin. And that leaves us feeling not as good as we want to be feeling. So then what do we do? We go for the junk food. Also, bad bacteria eat sugar. So those bad bacteria, as well as bad yeast, 
crave sugar. So if you have a lot of that bad bacteria in your gut, that could be a reason why you're craving this sugar. And a big sign of this is that you just cannot go an extended period of time without eating some of these foods. Or you might almost feel like this surreal part of you is saying, I just need this. I need these foods. I need these foods. And that's that bad bacteria and yeast that is thriving on it. So now we get to talk about what do we do about it. So the first thing to do is to start eliminating foods with added chemicals because these are the foods that keep you wanting to eat more and more and more. So these foods would be most packaged foods. And when I talked about the other names for MSG, looking for food labels that say flavors or seasonings or added sugars in them, those are the foods that you want to be avoiding. And stick with lots of protein and fat at each meal. So enough protein would be about 20 grams per meal and a few tablespoons of fat per meal and then lots of non-starchy vegetables throughout the day. Now, if you're still dealing with low blood sugar, meaning you need to have a snack in the afternoon or before lunch, then make sure that you have that snack. Or if 3 o'clock is kind of your time of the day, um, and that's when you're leaving work for the day, make sure that you have your snack before you leave work to go home. Because if you leave work without having that snack, what do you think is going to happen when you get home? you're, you're going to want to dig in the cabinets and find even more things to eat. So having that snack and especially having it before you leave work for the day, if you need that. And then drink the dynamic greens. The dynamic greens, like we talked about, taste delicious. And they're packed full of these phytonutrients, these plant nutrients and Also, they're quite hydrating. When you drink the dynamic greens, lots of those nutrients go right into your cells to help create more energy and to keep you satisfied. And they also bring water into your cells. And a big reason that we might be having cravings could also be that we're just dehydrated. And then the Crave Curb. So like I said before, Crave Curb is a supplement. It's, there's capsules. And this is a mix of different neurotransmitters, um, different amino acids specifically, that are going to create those neurotransmitters in your brain. And we like to use this one versus just using these individual amino acids like the 5-HTP or the tryptophan because it's a lot easier to do it all in one mix that's already designed for you. Trancor is another one that we talked about already. And for Trancor, if you're going to be using that, the dose is four capsules. So a lot of people need to take that throughout the day. So you could take four capsules one to four times a day, and this should be on an empty stomach. So about 20 minutes before you eat. And so, for example, you might have four capsules right when you wake up in the morning and then four capsules before lunch, four before dinner, and then four before bed or three or three or so hours after you ate dinner. And that'll keep your mood nice and steady and calm, and it might help you be a lot more productive as well throughout the day. 
The Crave Curb, the dose for that is eight capsules. So yes, lots of capsules of this. And remember with the Crave Curb, this isn't something you necessarily have to be taking for the whole rest of your life, but you're using it right now to increase your brain chemicals, increase your neurotransmitters. And after a while, maybe you'll run out of a bottle and you'll just forget to buy another bottle um, or you'll just decide to test it out and not take some of the capsules for a while. And then you see, do, do the cravings come back or do they not? And if they come back, then you know that you keep taking the Crave Curb a little while longer. So the Crave Curb is eight capsules, two or three times a day. And again, those would be on an empty stomach. Now, a lot of people have cravings in the evening time. So taking the Crave Curb mid-afternoon and then before bed is a good way to, to stave off of those evening cravings. Now we talk about magnesium, and we've talked a lot about the different types of magnesium, why it's important. Find some magnesium glycinate. Those ones are going to be tablets or capsules that you take. Another magnesium source is the magnesium gel, and you absorb a lot more of the magnesium when you put the gel on your skin. One other thing is full-spectrum light. So we use what's called a light book, or many of you have probably heard about light therapy, where you look at this box that's shining light for a while, and the light goes in your eyes, and that helps to increase the serotonin in your brain. The light book is a small little device, and that's one that you use 15, 30 minutes a day. You just set it at your desk next to your computer in the morning, or if you're using it before you leave in the morning, use it at breakfast time or just sit there for a few minutes while you're drinking your tea. So morning time is the best time to do that. That's going to increase your serotonin levels right away in the morning. Um, and you could also use it again in the afternoon for a little extra lift. Now, this wouldn't be something to use later in the evening time. Um, that'll keep you up. Because remember that serotonin turns into the melatonin. So that's happening here. When you use this light, it's actually helping you to produce some more melatonin. And so if you use it at light at nighttime, that could keep you awake. Also, get some natural light in your eyes, especially around noon every day. So go outside, have your sunglasses off, look around, keep your eyes nice and wide open. Um, and it doesn't have to be for a long time, maybe 15 minutes or 30 minutes. Maybe you get to eat lunch outside every day. And that's going to help build the serotonin levels. And then exercise. Exercise distributes the neurotransmitters throughout your body. So sometimes we have those neurotransmitters, but they're not making their way to where they're supposed to be. So the movement is going to help distribute them around and get them to where they're supposed to be. Now, exercise should energize you. So if you find that when you exercise, you feel just wiped out, then start with something gentler like stretching or walking. And another one is the Organo Gold coffee and tea. And the Organo Gold coffee and tea have the Ganoderma in it. Madeline, tell us more about the Ganoderma. 
Well, you know, the Ganoderma actually has a tremendous amount of health benefits and even too many health benefits to explain right now. So I would recommend for everybody listening to go back and listen to one of our past shows where we had a guest, his name was Dr. Bob Rakowski, and we talked all about Ganoderma lucidum, which is also called Rishi. Um, it's, it's a mushroom. It comes from a mushroom. Mm-hmm. And listen to the whole show and you'll get much more information about the Ganoderma. But basically what we recommend is that you switch your coffee or your tea completely over to the brand Organo Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so- if, if you're not already drinking coffee and tea, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start. But definitely if you are, switch over to it. And I would yeah. actually recommend if you're not drinking coffee or tea to actually start drinking these products. Um, because every single person that we've ever seen drink these products has gotten massive health benefits and, and it's, it's different for each individual. So go ahead and look up that past show with Dr. Bob Rakowski as our guest and you'll hear even more information. There's two more things that you can do to increase your neurotransmitters, and I'm going to say them really quickly because we're out of town, cultured foods, and go back to the talk about the good bacteria, the good bugs for, um, what's the name of that show? We have two gut bacteria shows, and you're eating kefir and fermented vegetables and taking your probiotics to help increase those bacteria in your intestines. And then, of course, look at the blog for all of those recipes and use those in place of the foods you'd normally eat. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We're so glad that you're here listening to our show. Share it with everybody else, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.